What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind-blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host and also the privilege of walking through this three-series episode on bitterness. Remember, bitterness is low-key resentment. It's harshness. It's when you and I are puffy and cold. Remember in our last episode, I said that bitterness is often not what we would call it. We would just say something like disappointed. That's what I'm talking about. That's what these three episodes are talking about. And some of us are plagued by bitterness. Seriously, we're imprisoned by it. The people that we're embittered at don't even know, and we ourselves are the one that is carrying this burden around with us. So there is, I don't mean this in some weird like prosperity gospel way, but the Lord wants you to be free and to experience the joy of being a person who is forgiving and ready to forgive, and that you can experience the peace of God whenever you are in fact ready to forgive other people. Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't it sound nice to not be burdened and saddled with this resentment and bitterness that you walk around with? That's the aim of this, that I could help facilitate change through God's word. So this particular episode, I want to talk about facilitating forgiveness in regard to bitterness. And some of the things might be surprising to you because I'm not just going to say you need to forgive and you do, but I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine an ice cube. Hmm. Let's do like a normal square ice cube. All right. I could, I could easily go up and say, Hey, you're embittered. Thou shalt forgive. And there is a place for that. Biblically, there are commands to forgive and to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Yes. But think of that ice cube for a second. What if I just set it out in the sun? What's going to take place is slowly it's going to thaw out, defrost and, and melt. It's a little bit more pliable as it's sitting in front of the sun. That's the way I want to approach forgiveness and bitterness. Instead of just saying frozen, ice cold heart, thou shalt forgive. Are there things that we can do to kind of soften our hearts and to facilitate forgiveness? I think the answer is yes. Let me tell you what I find to be true when a person is stuck in their resentment and bitterness. Their time in God's word is often at like a zero. Every time they sit down to read the Bible, that incident comes up and they begin to rehash that incident. Consequently, their relationship with the Lord now is waning and they would admit that I'm not in a good place. I haven't been in a good place. I'm, I'm struggling with this bitterness and this internal resentment. So then from there, your, your acts of service and kindness, your engagement in your local church 
all of the wheels start to fall off in your own spiritual walk and it is connected to your resentment. So let's reverse some of this. Why are you hardening in your bitterness? Well, in part because you're disconnected from the Lord. You're not engaging in scripture reading. You're disconnected from the local church. And those are part of the means of softening you and facilitating forgiveness. So I want to give you three principles for facilitating forgiveness to help soften your heart, to prime it to be ready to forgive. Now, this is actually going to be like the preemptive strike. Some of us are so hardened right now. We're so frustrated. We're so mad. We've been wronged in pretty significant ways, and it's almost impossible to think that we are going to be able to forgive them. How do we begin to put ourselves out in the sun and let God's work slowly thaw our embittered, cold hearts? First of all, I want to take you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the passage that I read in our last episode, 1 Corinthians 13. This is about the nature of love. I want you to see that in order for us to be people who are genuinely loving, we must imbibe a commitment to love that looks something like this. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Hear me out on this, listener. One of the first things that I want you to see is that we, if we're struggling with bitterness, we have to commit to growing in love for people. And I don't mean in love in like the Disney sense of I'm in love with you. I mean that I'm growing in a biblical practice of love toward you, that I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to insist on my own way. Uh Uh-oh, here it is. I'm not going to be irritable or resentful, which is to keep a record of wrongs. That is unloving for me. Internally, I have to start to say, look, biblical love means that I have to let go and not recount and continue to keep tally of all the things that you've done to me. When I grow in love, then something takes place over time. Let me read to you from Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. When we grow in love, we begin to overlook offenses much easier. Remember last episode, I mentioned a colleague that said he wanted to be unoffendable. The way that that takes place is by us growing in love for people. So instead of recounting the wrongs that they've done toward us, let's do good to them. Let's think about the good that they've done toward us, if any. Let's let's think about the ways that we're thankful for them or we have been thankful for them in the past. First of all, when when that takes place when I grow in love, less will offend me and less will offend you. Some of the most embittered people, and I hope this isn't true for you, but I know that with the amount of listeners that we have, that there are a few out there that this is going to land squarely on you. Some of the most embittered people are the least loving people. 
it stinks. It stinks. And you're the one that's trapped. So the reality is that for that to begin to soften that embittered heart, you have to say, Lord, please cultivate in me a heart of love for others that I would be patient and kind, not irritable, not counting up wrongdoing. And when that happens, I will grow in being less offendable, meaning things just don't bother me as much, honestly. Like I'm not struggling anymore with that. It just doesn't bother me. So what is that first step? You commit to growing in love. And as you do that, less will offend you in the first place. The second strategy is that I would encourage you, and I do encourage this in counseling, I would encourage you to begin to reflect on God's forgiveness toward you through Christ. So remember the parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew 18. Uh, This is in the conversation of even church discipline. uh, How do we restore a person? Forgiveness. Jesus brings up a parable, and in it he says that a master forgave a servant this massive debt, and that same servant goes back out into the marketplace and is holding his fellow servant's account for minuscule debts. So the result is that the master draws that servant back and says, you are going to jail now. And Jesus then compares that to our relationship with God the Father, that we must be willing to forgive other people their debts. Why? Because of the massive debt that God has forgiven us through Christ Jesus. You need to spend some time meditating on God's forgiveness toward you through Christ. That's Ephesians 4.32, forgiving as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's the point, that if you're meditating on the glory of forgiveness as revealed in the gospel, then you begin to thaw. Your heart begins to soften. You begin to think something like this, well, if God can forgive me an eternal debt, then how could I hold back forgiveness from this person? It doesn't mean we're right. It doesn't mean we're instantaneously good. But how can I just cling to my bitterness and my resentment? The answer is I can't. I cannot do that if I am beholding the glory of God in Christ Jesus in the gospel and his forgiveness toward me. So you and I, what do we have to do to begin to thaw out? Let's meditate on passages like Psalm 103 that talks about him removing our sins from us. Let's meditate on the crucifixion and the pain Jesus endured to help us be right with the Lord. Let's meditate on a 2 Corinthians 5 that talks about our new identities in Christ based off of what Jesus has done for us. Let's begin to renew our mind with the truth of the gospel so that our hearts would actually soften and be ready to forgive. If we're hardened in forgiveness, the second thing that I would encourage you to do is to meditate on the way that God has forgiven you through Christ Jesus. So we're going to take a short break. Thanks for listening so far. When we come back, we'll pick up with this concept of facilitating forgiveness. And we'll be back with more of Dr. Greg Gifford in just a moment, talking about bitterness. But let me take just a quick moment to tell you about resources we have available for you in the Transform Store. If you yourself have been struggling with bitterness, I highly recommend you check out Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones. This book is packed with practical advice for identifying and overcoming anger, which 
leads to bitterness. One of the things Jones says in the book is that our anger is an active response. It's an action, an activity. Anger is something we do, not something we have. So again, if you've been struggling with anger, which leads to bitterness, you need to check out Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones, and it's available right now in the Transform store at transformed.org. And while you're there, let me take a moment to also talk to you about something extremely important. As you know, we're committed to helping Christians find biblical solutions to their struggles, and we can't do that alone. We need your help to continue producing Transformed and all of our other resources. And that's why I'm asking you to consider prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner because you're not just supporting our ministry financially, you're also joining us in this mission to help hurting people find hope and healing in Christ. You can learn more about becoming a gospel partner right now and supporting our ministry at transformed.org. And finally, the last thing that I want to recommend to you is a resource for those of you who may have been considering becoming a biblical counselor. Our churches are in desperate need of biblical counselors all over the country. And if you've been thinking about that, Seeing with New Eyes by David Pallison is an excellent resource for anyone who wants to learn about biblical counseling. One of the things Pallison says in the book is, quote, The knower of hearts will repay each person according to his deeds. Scripture never separates motive and behavior. The mirror of Scripture exposes both. The lamp of Scripture guides both. The grace and power of Jesus Christ changes both root and fruit. It's Sing With New Eyes by David Pallison. You can find it and all of our other biblical counseling resources right now in the Transform store at transformed.org. We thank you for being here and tuning in every week to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And today he's been walking through the second part in this series on bitterness. So let's not keep stalling. Let's get back to Dr. Gifford now as he continues with Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God himself. Now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. We've been talking through facilitating forgiveness. Now remember, I actually find it to be somewhat unsuccessful to go to the person that is cold and hardened in bitterness and say, you need to forgive them, thou shalt forgive. It just doesn't seem to work. And in the Lord's providence... I think that you can take that same person and put them in front of uh, a warm, melting reminder of God's forgiveness toward them, a reminder of the nature of, of true, genuine Christian love. And what begins to take place is that same cold person is slowly thawing out and slowly thawing out, and God is doing a work in their life and in their heart. So instead of just walking up and saying, thou shalt forgive, this episode has been about how do we facilitate that forgiveness? How do we get our our hearts in a place where we haven't forgiven yet, but we're at least warming up to that idea? The first thing that I said is, you have to understand the true nature of Christian love. 1 Corinthians 13. 
as you grow in love, you will be less offendable. I want us all to be people that are so grounded in the love of God and Christ toward us. We're so grounded in who we are in Christ that people do not offend us anymore. Not because we're aloof and we don't care about the world, but because we're so grounded in the gospel, we're so grounded in our identity in Christ that it just doesn't mess with us, honestly. Like it, it doesn't penetrate because I know who God is. He's my rock. He's my refuge. And as I'm growing in love in him, then I'm less offendable. Uh, that's going to make us one of the best relators of other people when we love them and we're not offended by them. Okay. The second thing, and this is, this is something that you could go to multiple parts of scripture, but I just listed a few in the last segment. We want to saturate ourselves with the way that God and Christ has forgiven us. We want to meditate on God's forgiveness toward us. Meditate on God's forgiveness long enough and you'll begin to think something like, oh, this is petty. I need to be willing to talk to them or I need to be open to reconciling with them. It doesn't mean we're good, but it does mean that I'm not going to cling to my bitterness. So once you have done those, I'd like to add another one. And I want to take you to a passage of scripture to show you this. Because sometimes our bitterness and resentment, it's actually a clinging to what we believe are rights and justice. So I, I did say last episode that often the person that loves justice, they worship justice. They are individuals that every little wrong, they will not let go. Why? Because that is wrong. I told you that's wrong. Well, we're even willing to wrong people for the sake of justice, which always feels like a weird anomaly to me, that I will be mean to you because you were mean to someone else and it was wrong for you to be mean to them. So now I'm going to be mean to you. It's like, hang on, let's, I'm not a mathematician, but this ain't adding up right now because justice has become our functional God and what we functionally worship. And so what might be helpful to hear is that when we struggle with the injustices of the world, we have to begin to understand what is God calling us to do? And then are we doing that? We're, we're managing our expectations. So let me share with you just an overview. This is from the Gospel of John. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. I've used this passage in self-counsel about two jillion times in my life. And I don't know how many zeros that is, but that's a lot. And this is the scene where Jesus is restoring Peter. And remember, by the Sea of Galilee, Peter kind of freaks out, jumps out of the boat, meets Jesus on shore. They have a meal together. And in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, well, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And, and he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus, you're omniscient. You know everything. You're saying this again. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify him. And after saying this, he said to him, 
follow me. Okay, what a beautiful story. Jesus has just restored Peter three times, correspondent to the three times that Peter has denied Christ. We do have different terms for love being used. So Jesus is emphasizing something here for Peter. And Peter, verse 20, turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, Lord, Who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? (laughs) Oh, man. This is John. Peter, you've just been restored. And the first question you have is, what about this man? What about John? What's what you got for John? And when Jesus responds to this, he says, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What is the point that I'm getting at here? Peter's restored. He says, Jesus, what about John? And Jesus says, you focus on yourself. You focus on the mission that I've given to you. You follow me. He didn't say John was going to live forever. John goes on to clarify that. He says, if I wanted him to live forever, what's that got to do with you? You focus on your own responsibility here. Guys, one of the most freeing things to say is what is God calling me to do toward this person that I'm struggling with bitterness? What is God calling me? Because we get so wrapped up in the injustice of it all. We get so wrapped up in what they have done and how it was wrong. Our justice meter is it's spiking. It's got seismic activity because what they did was legitimately wrong. And yet we are responding in a way that is also wrong. What do I do? So instead of me pulling the Peter and saying, well, what about them? What about them? I have to say, well, what they do is not up to me. What if they're going to perpetuate evil? That's not up to me. I'm, I'm not going to help them do it, obviously. What is Jesus calling me to do? I need to focus on my own personal responsibility before the Lord right now. Guys, some of you are embedded with people who are very unjust. They are not good people. I understand that. In my time in the military, that was probably the darkest work environment I had been in. And I know there are unjust people in this world. And yet, it is not my responsibility to control their behavior. It is my responsibility to respond to them in a way that honors Jesus. If you're not careful by you getting frustrated at a person sinning against you, you're actually sinning against them in return. So the answer is, follow me. Focus on Jesus's call in your life to follow him. When you're frustrated about the wrongs that other people have committed against you, you have to go back to John 21 and say, well, here's what God has called me to do. So I'm going to do that. And it's not my responsibility what they are doing or how they are acting right now. It is my responsibility to be open to forgiveness. You're managing your own understanding of your responsibilities. You're being faithful to your responsibilities. And part of of understanding your personal responsibility is managing your expectations in that time. When you're managing your expectations, when you're clarifying your responsibilities in practicing or at least being open to forgiveness, then what's going to change all of a sudden, guys, is that you don't have to control the way that person is treating you and what they're continuing to do. When you are wrestling with 
bitterness, you have to go back and clarify what is your responsibility. Don't get consumed with what the other person is doing or is failing to do. Come back to this mission and say, what is Jesus calling me to do? I understand my responsibility and I'm managing my expectations of them. Guys, be free in that. Be free. I cannot control other people's behavior, but I can, with God's help, control my own. I can and I should, and I must. That's what forgiveness is about. It's saying, look, even if there are bad people in this world, I can't control their behavior. I can only control the way that I respond to them. So some responses may be more severe than others, but there is no response where bitterness and resentment are licensed. So when we're thinking this through, how do we thaw a heart that is cold, a heart that is struggling with bitterness? We grow in love, we meditate on God's forgiveness toward us, and then we clarify our own personal responsibility. What is it that Jesus is calling us to do as we respond to them? If we do that, we are in a place where we're going to be ready. Not not necessarily easy, not that we want to forgive, but we'll be ready and open to practicing forgiveness. And that's what our next episode is going to be about. Getting to that stage of saying, all right, all right, I'm willing to talk about forgiveness. What does that practically look like here? Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll be done for today. Lord, I know there are folks listening to this that are struggling with bitterness, and they're estranged from you because of that. Would you set them free, not because of how strong they are or how nice the other person can be to them, but would you set them free because you are a God who practices forgiveness? May they be reminded of the truth of the gospel as it applies to them and then propelled to go out and to forgive like you forgive us. Give us grace to be the most forgiving people, and we need help for that, Lord. We do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, transform.org, is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And also prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go serve your king.